Family from the Heart Podcast, episode number 417. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Welcome to another episode of The Family from the Heart, a podcast that is devoted to giving you a behind-the-scenes look into the lives of the Ravenscraft family, a family that has given up on the ordinary to pursue the lives for which they were created. Now, here are your hosts, Cliff and Stephanie. You are not going to believe what happened to me the other day. What? I can't hear you. Sorry. So... You said what? I did say what. Okay. Say what? Say what? I would be welcome. So the other day I was doing a coaching call with somebody. Okay. And I Would've like never guessed that. Yeah. As I do, I sit down and try to get to know as much as I can about their background, what's going on in their lives, you know, kind of find out what's going on for them you know what is life like in their world because we all have our own little realities that we live in and this particular person is a married guy he's been married for three years and the greatest struggle one of the greatest struggles that he has is he desires to have deep meaningful conversations with his wife but has an incredible amount of fear about potential conflict that would arise out of conversations. <laughs> well, you know, that's what they call a catch-22. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And I, When and the I, solution is the problem, and the problem is the solution. Yeah. And and that that's really the issue for this gentleman is that... Um, He's like, listen, I, I feel like we just don't go deep in our conversations, but that's on me. And the reason why I refuse to go deep is because every time we seem to go deep, there seems to be some sort of conflict that arises, meaning that she says things that I don't agree with, that I don't expect, that I don't anticipate, where we maybe have a differing opinion from one another, and that conflict leads to argument. Sound familiar, Stephanie? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. And so one of the things that I, I said, you know, I'd love to give you some insight on this. And, and of course, this goes to the first question. You'll never, or the first point, you'll never believe what happened to me the other day. So I was sitting there and telling you, I said, you know, my wife and I, we got married in 1996. He goes, wow, I was three years old. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's good. I I instantly oh. realized for the very first time You're I'm old. <laughs> That's the whole point of that story. Crazy. We're actually not old. Well, I think that old is what's in your mind. Exactly. And I I still see myself as a teenager. Yeah, I don't see myself as a teenager, but there are times when I do behave like one. Well, what do I mean by see myself as a teenager? What I mean is... Because, go ahead. What do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean by see myself as a teenager is I see I still see myself as having so much to learn. 
so much that <laughs> okay you're a different kind of teenager than i was because when i was a teenager i already knew everything <laughs> i never I felt like i knew everything getting out of my teens than i ever did in my teens yeah that's funny yes so um yeah i i, I remember um a couple of years ago megan said um megan said something was it to me or was it to a, it was to a friend but i was she's like yeah my mom's a big child and i'm like you know what i am sometimes and that's okay yeah you know what's weird for me thinking about age i i won't say their name uh, but it's somebody you and i know they work at a dance studio and this person is somebody that I went to elementary school with from second through seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Like every year, every school year from second grade through seventh grade. Now, in my mind, I remember second grade. It, th- and by the way, the, it, this we went to this Catholic school together called Mary Queen of Heaven in Ellesmere, Kentucky, or is that, no, that's actually Erlanger, Kentucky. Erlanger. So anyway, but I, I wasn't Catholic, but my mom and dad put me there for the, the better educational experience. And so I remember being in second grade and the way that I am perceiving the world. Uh, like I remember my school teacher, I remember her seeming like she is an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's obviously... I, probably she's my old. <laughs> she she's she's an older more wise human being she's probably 22 years old <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh-huh. and i remember third grade and i remember sixth and seventh and i remember mr listerman and and i remember all of these teachers right and i what's weird is i still view the world as though I'm this little kid and everybody else has more experience than me. Every, you know, all these mm-hmm. people. And, and I, it's sometimes, and what was weird, our daughters go to this dance studio and this girl that I went to elementary school with, and I have not seen, I have not seen her since seventh grade. And then a few years ago, I go in, she goes, Cliff. And I'm like, hi. (laughs) You know, you know, when somebody recognizes you and you have no idea who they are. And and she goes, it's me. It's Julie. And I'm like, hi. And I'm like, I still have no idea. And it's obvious, right? And she goes, we went to Mary Queen of Heaven together. And I'm like, oh, Julie. Now, the thing is, is that Julie today looks like what a teacher would have looked like when I was in school. So, for whatever reason, I think that, man, anybody that I went to... Are still children. Fifth grade, sixth Mm -hmm. grade, seventh grade, and I haven't seen them since then, to see them today, they would look the same. Yeah, that doesn't happen. (laughs) That, That doesn't happen. Just like all of the... All of the friends that that the friend group that we had when Megan was little, yeah. their kids are now adults also. That is weird. Like I've seen like, that. Ma- Megan's twenty one, and like so are their kids. Yeah, yeah, their kids that, aren't still toddlers. That's odd. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I understand. <laughs> I mean, I I watched our kids grow, 
But it's weird to see like kids that Megan went to preschool with. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, sure, my daughter's out driving and all this other stuff. And next thing you know, I see, wait a second, is that so-and-so working behind the counter as an employee of a place? They're, they're, no! Uh-huh. Preschool! Nope. This, this is a preschooler! Not anymore. I know. Not anymore. I know. I want to cry. I'm sorry. Why? I cannot get it out of my head. My daughter just hugged me, and I didn't ask for it. And really? Like, okay. Um, I, one of the, if you know the five love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, which we've covered twice which we've covered in this podcast many series. Times. Um, I show love. One of the top two of the ways that I show love is touch. But due to triggers and trauma, it's not the number two that I receive love. Okay. Um, Although if I know that it's coming, I do enjoy a hug or, you know, whatever, but don't sneak up on me. Don't touch me without permission. Eh. Right. So I have a child who's like number five is touch. She's like, don't breathe on me. Don't look at me. Like, eh, I'm over here. You're over there. That is cool. So every couple of days, I'll be like, hey, Jane, can I have a hug? <laughs> and she'll reluctantly give me a hug. <laughs> and all is right in my world. Um, she thinks kissing is gross. So you cannot kiss her on the cheek. You cannot. And sometimes I'll just, I'll just let her know, hey, I'm going to kiss you on the forehead. Like, it, it's coming. Whether you like, like cringe now because I'm coming in. Right. It's landing. Right. Um, but over the, this weekend, she was away all day Saturday, all day Sunday and half the day today for her best friend's um, 16th birthday party. They went to a lake. They were with all of their friends and, and the parents. And um, right before I came downstairs, she sat on the couch and she gave me a hug. And she's like, I really missed you. And I'm like, oh my God, you just hugged me without me asking for it. And I think I'm going to cry. Did you tell her that? Yes. She's like, don't cry. And then she hugged me again. And I'm just like. <laughs> That's fun. I'm really having a moment here, people. I'm, I'm, I'm really having, I'm really having a moment. Um, I, I actually pride myself on living in my moments. And McKenna is 16 and my moments are coming to a close. In just two years, she won't live here full time anymore. And I'm, I'm aware of that. And I'm conscious of that. Um, I, I'm very conscious of that. And I do my life intentionally. And this is a moment that I don't think I'll ever forget. <laughs> The moment that my 16-year-old dog, daughter hugged me without prompting. That is awesome. Yes, it is. Anyway. Speaking of which, it's why you took a pause from life coaching, which is something you talked about on the way to the gym this morning, which seems like three weeks ago. I really think it was three weeks ago. All of my Mondays feel like seven days long. Yeah. I promise you Every Monday, I'm like, I, I know it's been a whole week. I know I've been awake for seven days. And really, it, it hasn't been. So, yeah, but it's been a long day. 
So this morning, but that is why I stepped away from, from coaching. Um, I, I want to coach. It is who I am. It will be what I do. It's what I do now with permission of the people in my everyday life. But, um, you get phone calls all the time. People (laughs) hitting you up for coaching. I do, but, um, but but it's family and friends. (laughs) Uh, God love them. I don't know why they keep calling me. I do. So, um, Cause you tell them the truth. I'm, pre- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my last advice to my brother was that I was going to punch him in the face if he said something. And that if he alluded to something else, I was going to go for a much more sensitive part of his body. <laughs> like it was, it was not very great coaching. Let me tell you. Um, but we call that a pattern interrupt. <laughs> But it is what I it is what I want to do. It was what I was doing, um, but and I loved it. I loved it, and I loved the women that I was in community with and that I was coaching. And I had to come to a point and reexamine the fact that my schedule was changing, and it was going to put a gap in being present for McKenna and I know in my heart that my calling is to be fully present while she still lives in this house full time yeah and to not feel pulled in different directions and so um it (laughs) it wasn't a hard decision Mm -mm. for me Oh no! I, I, and, and you pretty I, much made it overnight. I did. I I was like, yeah, this is the right. This is the right call. This is absolutely the right call. And um, you know, my heart didn't have any doubts about it. My my mind was at ease, and I did it. And and it's been fantastic. You know, while she was you know schooling from home during quarantine, we you know would watch movies in the middle of the day or, you know, just talk. And those things are important all the time, not just while our world was turned upside down. And um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm drying up now and, and I'm no longer crying, but my, my daughter gave me an unprompted hug and I'm so excited. That is awesome. Two, actually. <laughs> Two. So anyway. And now it's documented into the archives of Family from the Heart. Aren't you excited that we're back to recording again? Yeah. I am too. So uh, what brought up this whole life coaching thing this morning? Well, last night she wasn't here and we watch a movie every weekend. And so I was missing the fact that she wasn't here and we didn't watch our movie. So I was looking for a movie to watch on my own and I'm scrolling through I scrolled through every streaming service that we have um, and I ended up on Netflix and I came up with um, Love Happens, which is from 2009 with Jennifer Aniston and Aaron Eckhart. And I was like, I've seen this before. I could just like lay back and not do anything. And then it came on. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. And um, 
I got tired, so I only watched half of it last night. And this morning on the way to the gym, I was telling you about it because Aaron Eckhart's character plays the life coach. And you're like, I want to watch this movie. I'm like, all right, well, I'm halfway through, but I'll start it over and, and we can watch it together. And so that's, that's why that came up in the car this and you, morning. And you were telling me that the whole premise here is that he plays this grief coach. So his wife had died and he wrote a book and now he's got a very large loyal following and he teaches seminars and does motivational speaking for people who are going through grief and all of this stuff. And he's serving all of these people, but yet he has not gotten over his own grief. And this piqued my curiosity. The reason why I'm like, I'd love to watch that is because it goes with this topic of what's called imposter syndrome. Are you familiar with imposter syndrome? Yeah. Did you experience imposter syndrome when the girls, the the Free to Thrive Mastermind was launching and stuff like that? Did you ever feel like, you know, I, who am I to coach these women? Who am I to show up and create this environment? Who am I to create a an opportunity for a paid mastermind group for these women to pay me for this? Did that? Did any of those kind of thoughts like, who am I? What? I mean, why would anybody want this? Did that come up for you in your mind at all? Um, yeah, it did. But... It didn't stay long because who am I is I have a story and I have a journey and I have made it to a place of freedom and who am I not to share that? Exactly. Exactly. See, that's what I love. That I mean, and of course, working with people who are, I, I do a lot of coaching today for people who are coaches who are somewhat successful with building an audience and also getting people into their products and services and stuff like that. But an overwhelming majority of these people just are paralyzed with fear that they'll be found out that they're not perfect or something of that nature. And I, I've personally struggled with imposter syndrome every time I go to try something new that I haven't done before. But each time I'm reminded why it is that I want to do it. And I come, I basically come around to the same point. You know, it's like, well, who, if I'm going to ask myself, really, it's a stupid question. It's kind of like, who am I to do this? As if you're presupposing that I'm nobody special. But I mean, if, if you're going to ask a question specifically, well, who am I to do this? Well, Let's answer the question. Here's who I am. And that's what I love that you did. You, it's like, well, I have this story. I have this experience. I have this growth. I have this overcoming. I have this freedom that I have found. And not to mention that, I have three kids who haven't gone to prison. I have, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I have three kids who, as far as we know, aren't out there strung out on drugs. We have three, you know, we've been married for almost a quarter of a century as of next month. Well, technically July or August, but yeah. but it, it's almost it's almost July. July. We, so we did accounting today, so <laughs> month is over as far as I'm concerned. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Whenever we do accounting, close like oh, that month's over now. That Where month's over. Starting. I, I have already logged the profit for the month. Yeah. that's that's all. It's done. Anything if money comes in tomorrow, it goes to next. It goes month. to next month, right? Yeah, that's funny. So anyway, this whole topic of imposter syndrome has come up and I, I make it, I just, I actually one day created what's called an inventory 
and I have a long list of all of the education I've had, the experiences that I've had, the things that I've tried that have succeeded, the things that I've tried that have failed, um, just the wild stories, becoming the director of podcasting for New Media Expo and just traveling, becoming a world traveler, de- deciding I want to become a paid public speaker and I also want to be an international keynote speaker and all of that happening uh, and, you know, I just have story after story. It's like, well, this is who I am. And of course, people would would gladly invest their hard-earned money in having time with me, not spending, not to invest in an hour with me, but just to have access to all of the things I've learned and experienced along the way. And And I have been proven right that people would be willing to do that over the years, which is awesome. But... It leads me to this whole scenario that, you know, are there situations where some coaches, it, it's maybe it's right for them to feel like they're an imposter because technically they are? So, it, it, do you know what I mean when I say that? I don't know if I was fully listening. <laughs> no, the, you know what? Let me just monologue some more over here, Stephanie. I mean, you're so good at it. Do you think that maybe some people feel imposter syndrome because in reality they are being imposters? And I'm talking about specifically somebody who wants to coach someone. Well, yeah. I mean, I the I think the answer to your question is yes, but I would also add on that's not for me to say. Right. Oh no, I but but I'm just saying like okay. Here's here's an example of let me just put it in my own in my own shoes. So for example, if I wanted to say that I'm going to write a book on how to uh hike the Himalayan mountains. Yeah, you probably should hike the Himalayan mountains first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just go and read a couple of books about the Himalayan mountains, but actually still never walk outside and spend any time in the wilderness. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let, you know, sign up for my six-week program, and I'll teach you everything you need to know about how to get out of the city and become a more out, you know, to have a more out-of-doors nature experience with God. That's funny, because we live in a rural area, and we don't go outside. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I would feel right. like an imposter, number one, if I was writing that book. Uh, number two, if I was doing any social media to promote said book, and if I had a podcast on out of door living, everything you ought to know and the benefits of said, you know, method of living, and yet I hate walking outside for more than ten minutes on a summer day because I'm going to get eaten up by mosquitoes. I, I'm I'm mosquito father, you know, and I I hate walking through the woods and and having ticks that I have to pull off my body, and you know. <laughs> just not the out of doors kind of guy. Right. So it would be crazy for me to be that kind of life coach. Let me teach you how to embrace your your God-given call to the wilderness. That that's not me. Now, I'm not saying that something might not change in the future. But it would be crazy for me, I think. I think that, number one, I would feel like an imposter if I tried to create a brand and a product and a service around that. 
had I had, number one, no experience and no desire to have said experience. Right. It, yeah, I, you it, shouldn't be writing that book. You shouldn't be coaching I would, people on that. You, I would, it would, it would be right for me to feel like an imposter. Exactly. Because I technically am in that case. Unless for some reason I'm not actually promoting that I am. It's like, hey, here's a book. Here, here is a, uh, here is an intellectual approach on how to become an outdoors person. By the way, I have no credibility in said area. And uh, I wrote this in a cabin in the woods, <laughs> but I was most definitely inside the cabin. Exactly, and I brought my air conditioner and a generator and. <laughs> <laughs> Our air conditioner is working overtime today. Anyway, so, anyway. okay. Now, with that, so this movie, this movie, yes. we, we won't give away the whole movie just no. in case somebody wants to go back and watch this 2009 movie. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. I thought it was good. I It's not what I thought though. I, it, I thought they were going to quote unquote, you know, basically show that this guy was a fraud from the beginning to the end and blah, blah, blah. And he was finally going to have to admit and confess that he'd been a fraud and then lose his brand altogether. And But he finds the love of his life. That's what I thought was going to happen. Does that make sense? Yes. I think I felt... So he loses it all but finds the love of his life? Is that yeah, what you thought? Yeah, okay. basically he, he basically loses the respect of everyone who's read his book and come to his paid seminars and all this other stuff. He loses all of that because he can, he finally at the end confesses that he's been lying the whole time and he has no experience and as, you know he's always working on helping other people do things that he has never dared to do himself. And so therefore, but at the end... He's able to come to the place where he's able to come clean with everyone, say, listen, this is all a lie, all of this stuff. Uh, I have to confess to you, I've never done any of this stuff, but now I have experienced freedom and, and stuff like that, but I've also found a love of my life, and and I I apologize. And then he has to go off, but yet with, with the fact that he lost, the, that was how I thought the movie would end. Okay. And... The way that the movie... I, I, well, I, I like that you had a whole preconceived idea of how it would end because I did not. I was just along for the ride and that's how we approach things so differently. Well, I, I actually <laughs> was dreaming up the end of the movie on the way to the gym this morning. <laughs> that's funny because we had the conversation. I put it out of my mind. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was, I was like, all right, we'll watch the movie later and then we, yeah. No, I, I was churning on this one, babe. That's... Uh, and Stephanie, my friends. And Stephanie. So anyway, the whole the whole thing here is that his wife dies. He writes a book, and the way that the the story is told, there's a there's a photo shoot pretty near the beginning, mm -hmm. and a, a photographer's asking him to say, "Tell me about how did you get into this?" And uh, he sort of says that I didn't really want this well yeah that he didn't write the book for anyone else to read yeah he, he, that it was his way to deal with his own grief right so my question is and, and of course with what he sh what with what we learn at the end of the movie is the does the and it's not said in the movie but does the book actually say how he has portrayed everything happened in this situation what that, do you mean? The, the the quote unquote lie, you know, 
the the, the book wouldn't say that. So the so the book doesn't say how it happened, the accident, and whether or not. Oh, it might. That's what I'm. I, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the book actually contains. If the book actually contains, contains the false lot. information. I don't know. And I mean, it might. It, it, it might. And the thing is, is if he, I could have. I could have a little bit of respect for him. In that case, if what he told the photographer is true, if if the lie is in the book, but the book was never intended to be read by anyone else. Mm-hmm. I actually believe he, him when he says that. When you meet the character of the manager, he seems to be pushing all of these other things. Like those don't. Did he say, because I can't remember that scene word for word where he's talking to the photographer, but he goes, but so-and-so suggest, you know, suggested and... But and my, got, no, my manager took it and gave it to a publisher. But my the, manager took yeah. it. Okay, so the manager guy. Mm-hmm. And and I, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Don't say the the F word. <laughs> That's not what he said. Oh, what was it? Huh? What, what What's his name? It's Lane <laughs> Marshall. <laughs> okay. Now I gotta edit this thing. You just told me not to say the F word. That's what you said. Oh, Stephanie Ravenscraft. You know this there are people there are kids that listen to this show. I'm sorry, children. No, she's not. You're right. I'm not. Ah goodness. Oh, let me tag it so I can find it in post production. Well you're you tagged it a little late. I'll I'll know to go back. Stephanie. Can I tell you something that is really not a secret? What? The children who would have heard me say that had you not edited it out, didn't hear it from me first. Well, I just don't want to. I'm just saying. I just don't want to. I'm just saying. I did. I I spent a lot of time in elementary schools and there's some kids with some really bad mouths. And there's some people who listen to our show and they pay lots of money for their kids to go to private school. So they they hear it from those. That's not true. Oh, oh, the little bubble you live in. Do you really believe that? Baby, there are some people who actually are more sheltered than you think. I've met them. I've I've coached a few. (laughs) I've met some too. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. There there are people who go to great lengths to to keep that sort of language and influence away. Yes. Obviously listening to Cliff and Stephanie's on the on the edge case scenario of, of family listening, but come on. It's still I mean, hey, we still talk about our family. I know we do. <laughs> so we Stephanie. Do. Where were we? We we were talking about the the movie. So the manager took the book and gave it to the publisher, and then that's how it all spurred. Gotcha. Into and so so the whole idea here is that within three years, his his wife died three years earlier. That's when he would have experienced the. It would have been the time afterwards that he would have experienced the grief, and he'd written this book and all of this other stuff to for himself and stuff like that. But it seems kind of odd that in such a relatively short period of time, he seems to have a little bit of celebrity status. Well, I think he he's a PhD, so he was writing like he had... So they, they, they talk about they talk more. about columns that he wrote for like Psychology Today and so he's a psychotherapist. Like, is that the word? Yeah, yeah. 
And just, you, know, you said therapist, which made me think of like the rest of the conversation that we had on the way <laughs> yeah, to the gym. That, one, that one's not, not coming to this public. One. <laughs> that one's not coming to the microphone. Oh, but it's in my head now. <laughs> it's in my head now. Hold well, on, I'll get it out. <laughs> oh. So that that makes a whole lot more yeah. sense because that one wasn't that wasn't what wasn't jiving with me so you know so we go and and somebody like people are just recognizing him no i think he right. already was public before then he wrote the book and, and he's probably had other books before this yes and, because they when he introduces him the first time he introduces him the the book that they talk about is not the book or is not it's not the book that they're reading at the conference gotcha i don't think okay anyway anyway so you know i still love this whole idea because the question is is can you help somebody with something that you don't have experience with and the answer to that question is yes. yes because he was very passionate about helping people and that's what, see, that's what I thought, see this movie, I thought it was going to be, this guy is a scam artist. Mm-mm. He is, he's looking to uh, monetize a message of grief, even though he's not taking his own advice and all this other stuff. He's just out there. It's like the manager, you know, it's like, well, gosh, how can I turn down all this money? And how can I turn down all this fame? Sure. Let's just go and roll with it and, and stuff like that. And I'll just no, take all really their money. I thought that's what movie- for people for, for, um, healing people. And he says to the manager many times, that's not why I did it. You know, this money means it's not why I did it. Yeah. And um, that's really what I actually ended so, up liking about this movie is, right. is that I this movie surprised me by not doing what some other movies have done in the area of of like life coaches and motivational speakers. Because I, I think they get a bad rap. They Oh, gosh. Heck, yeah. Like uh, you and I were talking about the Melissa McCarthy movie. It's called yeah. The Boss. The Boss. And I went and watched a couple of movie clips from the boss. And yeah, I mean, and of course she was a total fraud and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and it's just, it's almost as though there's a lot of Hollywood and, and entertainment industry people that want to take anybody who is a motivational speaker, AKA life coach, and just say, you know what? These people are all frauds. They're, none of these people have anything together and they just want all of your money and they'll do anything to manipulate you and, and all this other stuff. And I thought this movie was going to be one of those and I thought that would be a great conversation for us to talk about. Although it's still a great conversation for us to talk about. But the movie actually ended up, I, I enjoyed it. I did too. This is a guy who is very much still processing his grief, but at the same time falling a passion for serving and helping people at the deepest level. And, you know, we we're skating around certain details of the movie and stuff like that. You could probably put puzzle pieces together, but I think that we've left enough out that you could still go watch this on Netflix and enjoy the movie, even because you know something's going to happen. And right. in fact, even Martin Sheen is in it, and there's something he says when he comes into the scene, and and so, and that happens early on in the movie. So we're we I still haven't given you anything that that you know would take away from the actual reveal of what happened, right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, I would encourage you to go and watch this movie. Um, Anyway, so let's see. Uh, do, 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 do I not have this? Have what? 
I, I'm looking for the notes that I took while I was watching it. Here it is. Oh, I was just looking at your Matt Foley. <laughs> oh, I know. I was, how did you get into the... Oh, so the hot coal walk. So inside of this Netflix movie, what's it called again? Love Happens. Love Happens. Inside of Love Happens, they're doing this one-week seminar in Seattle, Washington, and it's inside of a hotel conference center, and they have a firewalk, a la Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, is what the heck is going on? Because they show it happening indoors, and you cannot have not a firewalk right. indoors. I that's ju- I, I don't know how they. So did they do it like was it electric coals? I mean, how did how would they have done that? Because that's not possible. Special effects. Well, I I know I mean, it was special like, effects, but yeah, that's so. Or is it possible? But did you notice that, um, because here's the thing, I've been to Tony Robbins and I've done the fire walk. I have too. It's awesome. Right. So did you notice that when, um, what's the character's name? Which one? Oh, Burke. So when, when, when Burke, who is the, who is the author, he's the one leading the seminars, um, is walking across the, the coals to show the other people that fear is just a mindset, right? Um, did you notice what he says as he's walking across them? What? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, I didn't. He, yes. I didn't pay attention. Did he actually yes, say that? Yes, he did. He, which is which totally is to- a Tony. I Robbins told thing. you. I felt it. I told you. I felt it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it. it um. He chanted yes as he was walking across the, across the coals, which is actually what Tony had us do when 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 we did it. Yep. So there are a couple things that I loved about this. Um, one, it, it actually does show that you can still be going through things. And of course, if you and I'm thrilled that you brought, brought out the fact that he had this career beforehand. So he would know a lot of things about psychotherapy. He would know a lot of things about grief and how to help people through, which kind of, you know, I thought it's like this, this is just some guy who lost his wife and wrote a book and of course he he that's why that for me that's why this guy has no education or understanding of how to serve people and blah 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 he's gonna my thinking is like he's gonna be totally screwing with people's lives and you know this is gonna get all messed up you know th- i that's what i'm thinking right right and but no this guy actually does have some great skills in helping people coaching people and he through. has a heart for it and he has a heart for it uh but but having a heart for it isn't enough no. I just want to point that out. Having a heart for coaching isn't enough. You have to get some skills. You have oh, no, to get absolutely. some training. absolutely. But I'm telling you, like... I'm not saying you have to be certified. I'm not saying you have to be I licensed. I know. But you got to have... You, you have to have some sort of experience training and applying, training and applying, training and applying. But you have to have both. Yeah. Because you can have all the training, but if your heart isn't in it and you can't connect with people on a real level, money? then it's not going to happen. Right. They're well, not, for some people, it won't. If yeah. you don't connect with people, you're not going to truly help them. This is true. Rapport is absolutely essential, I think. And and so that that's why like I keep thinking that like he he was passionate about connecting and absolutely helping people. One of there there's a scene uh with Walter that we'll just Walter's say Walter. My favorite character. Walter is an incredibly awesome character and I really wondered what the, what they would do with that. And Walter is the perfect example of why I love this movie. Mm-hmm. 
and it's why Burke ended up he he was not actually an imposter throughout the whole thing. He he now he he could have been more for uh, forefront with what he revealed at the end of the movie earlier on. Um, you know, so I, I don't condone lying or, you know, falsifying information, causing people to think this or, or even pretending that you have it all together. I'm totally cool. I think it's, it's admirable to say I'm still struggling, but here's how I'm getting through. That's how I think one can avoid imposter syndrome. It's like, listen, I, this is, this is where I've been and what I've experienced, and the obstacles that have been in my way. Here are the ones that I've already overcome. Here are the ones that today, here's where I am today. These are the obstacles I still currently face today and stuff like that. And and based, on, based upon where I have been and where I am today, here are my hopes, dreams, and goals for the future. And here are the obstacles that I see standing in the way of me attaining those things. But here's what I want to invite you to do in my book, in my email newsletter, in my podcast, my vlog, my social media. Follow me through my community. I want to authentically, transparently share with you my journey and what I'm learning along the way. And the great news is that so much of what it takes to find success in one area of life can easily be applied to multiple other areas of life. And that's why it's possible for one to have no experience, let's say, in the corporate world. Like, you know, for example, I have had many coaching clients who are senior vice presidents and uh, just corporate training managers and stuff like that. They're overseeing teams of hundreds of people. And this is my client that's paying for my coaching. I've never experienced exactly what it is that they're saying is their greatest struggle, but it's really no different than the mindset and the story and the techniques and the techniques, skill and strat techniques, skills and strategies of how to overcome your fears in that setting is the same as you're overcoming your fears in any other setting. And just because we still may have areas where we haven't yet tackled in our own life does not disqualify us from using this, those same skills, techniques, and strategies that we have used to tackle other monsters or obstacles or things in our past or things in our future or, or I'm sorry, things in our current moment. It, 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 you cannot actually wait to serve others until you're perfect or until you've had all of the experience. The, the reality is, is that you don't have to have it all together. And it reminds me of Brennan Manning. Do you know who Brennan Manning is? Absolutely. All is grace. All right? is grace. Is yes. Yeah. So he wrote a book many years ago called The Ragamuffin Gospel, which was, and, and he was the pastor for Rich Mullins, who was one of the number one Christian music artists of maybe all time and maybe still holds the record. I have no I don't idea. Know who, yeah. But he tragically passed away back in the 90s, right? Not too long after you and I got married. I think we yeah. were still living at Barkley Ridge Apartments. It was before Megan, I worked at Paycor. Yeah. So anyway, 
Um, but he, he, it was the Rich Mullins in the and Ragamuffin, Ragamuffin band. band. And, and that was named after this Ragamuffin gospel from Brennan Manning. And Brennan Manning was a very popular, well-known gospel preacher and, a, and maybe evangelist. I don't have no idea, but I rem- I've read a couple, I read two of his books. One was, uh, something great. Oh gosh. One of them. David Foster gave me, and it like set me free because it's like, oh my gosh, that because my my thing was I used to have I used to live a life under um, guilt and shame and condemnation, performance based based Christianity, and I'm like, man, if I can't live a completely sin free life, who am I to think that I can serve others, right? Mm-hmm. And what are you looking up? His books? Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. So, anyway, so Stephanie sent, or David Foster, a dear friend of ours who was a pastor, passed away a couple years ago, came, became a very close friend of mine. He says, Cliff, I want to send you this book. And so he sends me this book from Brennan Manning, and I read it, and it's basically him talking about his experience of, uh, is it called Radical Grace? Are you, do you have him up? Um, so, well, I have... What's the name of his books? So I have All His Grace. All His Grace, I'll talk about in a minute. That's okay. his memoir. Um, Abba's Child. Nope. The Ragamuffin Gospel. Nope. Ruthless Trust. Ruthless Trust. Thank you. Read. Okay. Click on Ruthless Trust and read the description. <laughs> You're funny. Okay. I'll read it. I'll read it. Give it here. Okay. <laughs> I can't read. So, I can barely see the book titles. Um. So you didn't pull it up on Kindle, so I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing. Can you here? Uh, what? Mm-mm. I'll pull. Let me click here and see what it says. And oh, this. Do you want me to pull it? Up? Here, I think I can find it this way. You're read. funny. No, uh, Cliff doesn't like the way I do technology. You just do it different. It's that's all. Right, and you don't like the way that okay, I do it. Here it is. In this, in his sequel to the Ragamuffin Gospel, best-selling best-selling author Brennan Manning shows how true and radical trust in God can transform our lives. Manning, beloved author and spiritual teacher, shows us how to trust in God and transform our lives and opens us up to deeper experiences of grace and love. In Ruthless Trust, he turns his focus from furious love to radical trust, revealing ways which trust renews our faith and and helps us grow. Now, this is probably the book, um, let's see here. This is probably the book that I remember reading, and I'm like, oh, man, this is good, and it seems to be so, you know, Brennan Manning must have been this perfect human being, and and it must be nice to have this and blah, blah, blah. But if you actually read All is Grace, which I read uh, right after it got published, it's his memoirs, and you turn out, it tur- you it turns out that Brennan Manning was a raging alcoholic his entire life. And that there were times when he would be preaching in, you know, to crowds of thousands of people. And that night he would be drunk. And, and so that's what his thing is like, listen, it's all his grace. You do not have to have a perfect life and stuff like this. And I don't think that, I think that he was probably an, if I remember correctly, I think there was something about the fact that it's like, listen, I've, 
I've made people, I've made it, people are aware that this was something that I struggled with. This wasn't something that I was hiding. hiding. This, is, this isn't something like the, remember the Jimmy Swagger tele, mm-hmm. you know, televangelist days. I've, I've got this public persona, but you know, I'm sleeping around. Was it, was, was his with prostitutes and stuff I like don't that? I remember. I can't remember, but there was, there was a big to do about Jimmy Swagger back in the day. But, um, I, I think that's the key. The key is to dispense with the lies, dispense with the inauthenticity. In fact, the authenticity often is what breeds credibility and trust in your audience. Not everyone. Some people say, well, who do you think you are? You haven't even done this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, that's fine. I'm not the right person for you. Uh, but and, And that's what really got me because... You and I were in Colorado in November of 2014. Yes, we were. And at that point, I had already been full-time self-employed for going on seven years. And I had amassed an audience for myself personally, my personal brand of Podcast Answer Man in the tens of thousands, just that one. I mean, you and I together with with our entertainment stuff, hundreds of thousands, but my own personal brand was in the tens of thousands. I had already become the director of podcasting for New Media Expo. I had already become, you know, this, I like every, the all of these people. And I had gone from where we were that first year in our business financially to where there, one year we generated almost, well, between a 14-month period of time, like $750,000. And so did pretty well. And so at at these events that Michael Hyatt was hosting, there was always a crowd of people that wanted to talk to me whenever we were in hallways. It was, and especially even at uh, New Media Expo, it was insane how many people wanted to talk to me and, and the crowds and stuff like that. But there, I got to tell you, back then I felt like a fraud because I was extremely overweight, almost 300 pounds, and... My biggest thing was I want to I want to encourage I want to encourage and inspire other people to pursue the life for which they were created to live. Now, I had done that in my career. I had career transition, leaving a lifetime as an employee into becoming a business owner and then not giving up when the going got tough. You know, going through, um I I had actually done that by changing my mindset and and my approach to business and building it into something profitable and and not working myself around the clock. I had done I had succeeded in so many areas, but there was just this one area that I had well, okay. There was one of probably many areas that I still hadn't tackled and it was my physical fitness and health. I, it's not that I hadn't tried. I had tried and failed several times. Actually, I had tried and succeeded and then went back several times, which in my mind I kept focusing on how I failed there and refused at the time to focus on what I have to offer and where I've succeeded. And it was actually those things that attracted people to my brand and to my, they, they, I mean, it's not that they didn't care that I weighed 300 pounds. I'm sure that they were a little concerned for my health, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but they saw the value in me, even though in my mind, I, I was, when I looked in the mirror, the value that I had to offer to others, I felt like an imposter back then. So, 
Anyway, all no, of that out I of understand. this. I understand. Yeah. I no longer feel like an imposter. Me neither. Even, even you if. see is what you get. Even you if I gain you. weight back, even if there's an area of my life I've previously mastered or thought that I have mastered, and then all of a sudden there's a new trigger that gets triggered that I didn't even know was down deep inside of myself, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I put on a couple of pounds, and it's like, oh, wait, I'm I'm noticing these pants aren't fitting. My shirt, my T-shirts, I, I find that I'm, you know, when I put them on in the I morning, stretch I'm, I'm stretching them a little bit. <laughs> it's like, huh. I wonder what happened here. Let me go back to the let me go back to the whiteboard and let's diagram this thing out. Let's find out what's going on here. And yeah, okay, new new distinctions, new learn. Okay, lesson learned. Here's what I learned. Let me go and and of course I go behind a microphone or I go live and I share that mm-hmm. with people. It's like oh wow, here's another place where I failed. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Stephanie? Yeah. I love you. I love you too. What else is on your mind? Anyway, this that, movie. Exactly. It's blank. The, <laughs> this movie was good, right? This movie was really good. I, I like it. Um, My daughter loves watching rom-coms. For, now, this was a dramedy, a dramedy, a drama Um completely but loves watching like movies from the 2000s she's like they're the they're some of the best movies and she's she's not wrong some of them are, are really really good and this was one of them yes mm-hmm. yep so oh and by the way just one final thing and then we can wrap up how's that sound yeah f9 so no, before you, before we sit in F9, it is date night. We mentioned date night. Like, and we're like, oh yeah, we still go on date night, right? Cliff and I have a date every week because it used to be bi-weekly, but our daughter's like, look, I, I want to be in the living room without like having to share it with anybody. And I want to snuggle with the dog without having to share him with anybody. So is it possible that y'all make your date nights weekly and we're like, hmm, spend more time together without children? Okay. Like, it wasn't that hard of a decision. And uh, so we go on date nights weekly. And last Friday, or this past Friday, um, we, we've we already decided we're going to go see the new Fast and Furious movie, F9. Well, actually, we had decided and that we were going to go see uh, the hitman's wife's bodyguard or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that we had decided on I I knew we had decided on the movies. And then you said F nine, so I just yeah. Well, we had decided we had decided that we would go to the movies, and I did not know F nine was out yet. Oh, and so gotcha. But the week before okay. that, that bodyguard movie came out, right? And and we had said we'd go see that, so I assumed we'd go see that. But then when I saw F nine, I'm like, I bet you she'd be interested in seeing that over the other one, and we could still right. go see. We the can other still one. go see the other one. So, um, here. And I, I've, I've seen all of the Fast and Furious movies. So I was like, yes, absolutely. So we know that we're going um, to the movie. We choose a movie time because I can't I can't go late. <laughs> I'll miss my bedtime. Cliff comes upstairs and he's like, I'm just going to run up and change and then I'll be ready. Because he was still wearing his workout clothes from our workout that morning. And it's now like 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> and he's like, you want me to change? And I'm like, well... I'm in my pajamas and I plan on wearing my pajamas because we're just going to the movies. We're like, we've had dinner. We're not, you know, we're not going, we're just going to the movies. 
I'm wearing my pajamas. I'm perfectly fine if you wear your workout clothes. So, so high maintenance that I am, went to the movies in my pajamas and um, wore my wore my sexy Crocs because, you know, those are just <laughs> the best ones ever. And, and that's how we went to date night. And I will tell you, every Fast and Furious movie gets more outlandish and more ridiculous in their stunts and i still love it <laughs> so i i gotta tell you i he's looking at me like ah, that's not real and i'm like i don't care like if you don't go into a fast and furious movie expecting it to be ridiculous and they're invincible and they're all gonna live then you just don't know like you just you just don't know yeah it was fun. It was I, I mean, it was it was one of those movies that you go to and you just eat popcorn and and you enjoy it. I enjoyed the movie. I I love their no. That's what I'm saying. It's a, pop, a popcorn movie. Just means that yeah, it was enjoyable. It didn't <laughs> make no, me like, think a whole lot. No, I love their aspect of family and they have this family that they have built and you know like it it really. It calls to question, you know, is family just blood or or is family the people that you choose to do your life with? Right. Baby, I choose to do life I with you. I found a lot more in F9 than you did. Apparently, you just found popcorn. I found popcorn in M&M's. Until next time, Stephanie's alarm is going off. I got to take my iron. <laughs> we encourage you to take everything you do. To the next level. Mindset and Samantha.